What's going on, everybody? And welcome to the Mike Janella Show. I'm your host, Mike, obviously. This is my 83rd podcast episode. Hopefully, won't be my last. It is my first episode, though we've had 83, but my first one as a game show winner. And that's what we're talking about here today. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sure you read it in the podcast description anyway, but... I was on the $100,000 pyramid on ABC this past week, and I happened to win $150,000 and also an all-expenses-paid trip to the Canadian Rockies and some national parks out there, which I'm super pumped about. But you guys know me. I love uh, content and getting uh, so much out of everything that I do uh, and experience in life to talk to you guys about it. So that's what we're doing today. Uh, I asked on social media and a bunch of uh, friends as well who texted me and called me uh, for any questions that you guys wanted to have about that experience, and I'm going to answer them all right here. We're going to get all to them, and something I did on a couple episodes ago where I looked for fan questions, and I loved it, so I wanted to hit you guys up again for any questions you had about the whole experience, and that's what we're going to do. But first... Got to get my plugs in. Uh, If you are new to me, if you're listening to this somehow, you just came across some $100,000 pyramid stuff, uh, find me on social media. I would really love a follow. I'm at Mike Janella. It's my name uh, in full across all social media. It's on Twitter, Instagram. I've got a public Facebook page, and that pretty much covers all the bases. So check that out. And then also, if you like what you hear today, if you like me as a host, and hopefully you do, I've got, like I said, 82 other podcast episodes just sitting there and waiting to be listened to. We've had some amazing guests, uh, Skylar Astin, uh, Dave Schilling, uh, a bunch of amazing people I'm already forgetting. Just go to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever, and find me, download, subscribe, give us an awesome rating and review. I would love you forever for it, all right? More than I love even Michael Strahan and Bobby Moynihan and John Lovitz after playing Pyramid with them this past week. All right, uh, without further ado, let's get to your questions after I take a sip of water. First one comes in from Tony. Tony on Twitter, uh, still uh, one of my favorite fans, gave me a, a, a great birthday card a couple of years ago when I was hosting for the San Diego Padres out in California, and uh, someone that I love uh, checking in on with Twitter, he sends this one. How does it feel to be rich? <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it, I don't know, Tony, to be honest, uh, because I don't feel rich, uh, to tell you the truth. I mean, it's going to be good, right? Like when, uh, when that 150 grand, uh, I mean, that makes a difference for sure. It's not life-changing money in terms of I don't ever have to work again. I didn't hit the mega millions or anything for $100 million. So it's not like my life is now set. Uh, but let me tell you, it, it feels nice to know that, as you guys know, that follow me along on social media and through these podcasts, I've been basically unemployed, freelancing some jobs here and there, but basically I've been out of consistent work since March, pretty much. So it's tough, uh, as many people know, living potentially paycheck to paycheck, not knowing where your next money is going to come from. And for me, uh, I've been looking for jobs, but knowing that I had this safety net with Pyramid now allows me, I'll say this, it allows me to feel free and liberated and in control because I can now be a little bit more, a little choosier in going for hosting gigs or jobs that appeal to me more as opposed to things that I have to do just to make some money to pay the mortgage. So uh, yeah, I am not going to be renting out yachts in San Tropez for weeks at a time or anything like that anytime soon, but it is very nice and very comforting to know that at least for 
the foreseeable future, and if I'm smart, even beyond that, if I uh, invest properly and use my money to make money, that I'll be uh, in a nice position of comfort uh, thanks to that. Kent wants to know, did you get to talk to John or Bobby, Lovitz or Moynihan respectively, those were my partners on the game, uh, before or after? Uh, it looked like you scared John Lovitz to death with your hug. Uh, he also wants to know if any random people found you on Twitter and started panhandling you yet. Uh, the answer to that one is no. Uh, thankfully, no one has hit me up for any loans or anything like that. Or the ones that have, I'm pretty sure, were joking or being sarcastic. Um, here's the story with the hug. And I'm probably going to... Now, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. Because uh, everyone's been making fun of me, uh, whether directly to me or on social, about that hug. I went to go hug John Lovitz after we won our 50 grand in the first winner's circle. And he looked about as terrified as possible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing a video. I'm recording a video. It's going to be a mic in a minute, a 60-second behind the scenes of the story of that hug because there is a story behind it. It's a funny one, and I don't want to give it away here. So, like I said earlier, follow me on social media, and you'll see when I get to release that video what the full story behind uh, our fateful hug was. In terms of talking to them, yeah, I did. we didn't get to talk... And here's a disclaimer for any of these questions. Uh, I, I don't want to give away too, too much behind-the-scenes stuff because I don't want to get uh, in any kind of trouble uh, with ABC. So there's some stuff in terms of the production of the show that, uh, you know, you don't know unless you're there in the audience or playing. I want to tread very carefully. But uh, in terms of that, we didn't get to talk before, uh, very briefly before. I mean, these guys, they're celebrities, right? They, they're busy. They're talking to their whoever they have there, their publicists, whoever their entourage. I don't know. But uh, we got to talk a little bit before the game started. As you saw, I started with John, so we chatted for a little bit. He got to know where I'm from and my background and all that kind of stuff. And then you chat with them a little bit during the commercial breaks, but there's not much time. Uh, so you don't have much time to talk except for, hey, good round, or hey, that was awesome. You know, there's not much more beyond that. And then uh, afterward, yeah, we get to chat with them for a couple minutes. Uh, it's not like, you know, we all went out for drinks afterward or anything like that. It's really just hey, man, thanks for helping me win all this money, or, and hey, you did a great job, and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're not best friends now or anything like that, but you get to chat with them a little bit, and they were both awesome guys uh, in terms of just being fun. I mean, look, they're SNL comedians, right? They're funny people, and just down to earth. You know, John was telling me about how he's been on the game and played before, and Bobby was telling me about how he's a new dad, and I congratulated him on that, and he's talking like any new dad would, just super proud about his baby, and all that kind of fun stuff. So, uh, yeah, we weren't chatting for hours and hours, but I did get to have a little more interaction with them than just playing the game. And they were both real mentions, some stand-up guys. Speaking of stand-up guys, Shane on Twitter, at the Raw Librarian, a great follow if you like wrestling. That's a Raw in reference to Monday Night Raw. Get your minds out of the gutter. Um, he's got a bunch of questions. So uh, follow him, A, on Twitter if you like wrestling content. And then B, let's see what Shane has to say. Uh, what happened during the commercials? Was that other girl salty after the show? Uh, did you sign legal or tax paperwork immediately afterwards? What was Uncle Sam's cut? Can I trust you're now all in on a WrestleMania suite? Well, damn, Shane, this is an Iron Man match of questions, bro. You really threw down the gauntlet, or a gauntlet match, I should say. Uh, let's, uh, let's hit them up one by one, uh, but again, after I take myself a little sip of water. You know, it's funny, usually when I'm doing my regular podcast, talking to different people about 
what they have going on in their lives. While they're chatting, it was when I get to mute my microphone and uh, take my water to catch up or catch my breath. But you guys are getting the behind the scenes. You're getting it raw uh, right here, pun intended, because uh, we're talking about Shane. All right, what happened during the commercials? Uh, not much. Uh, that's the thing with, with film TV, right? It might be a three-minute commercial at home, but there on set, it's it can be 30 seconds or it could be 10 minutes. Uh, commercials were really just us sitting around and... You know, me telling John Lovitz, hey, good job that round, or vice versa. And then, all right, guys, ready to play the next round? You know, it's like any TV set. They're setting up cameras and lights and just getting you ready. And, yeah, nothing too exciting uh, during the commercials. Hate to break that to you. Was that other girl salty after the show? Uh, that would be Emily. She was my, my uh, competitor, the woman that I was playing against uh, on the show. And she, no, to be honest, like, look, I don't know what she did when she got home or to her hotel room or whatever, but right after the show, I did get to chat with her briefly, and she was super nice to me, very gracious, you know, asking me what I plan on doing with the money, and that's a question some of you have, I'll get to that in a second, Uh, and telling me, you know, good game, and just really, uh, I don't know the right word for it, I don't want to say frustrated, maybe disappointed that she, you know, wasn't able to at least get a crack at one of the winner's circles, and Hell, I'd feel the same way um, if I was in her shoes. So, But she was super nice to me and very gracious. So that's that's all I can say about Emily. And she was a good competitor. We chatted before the show uh, and during and after and you know had a good, a good time. Uh, obviously, would have been a better time for her if she got some cash. Unfortunately, that's the way it works. Uh, did you sign any legal or tax paperwork immediately afterward? Uh, probably not at liberty to discuss what I did or did not do in that realm, so I'm not going to risk answering that question. Uh, what was Uncle Sam's cut? Uh, I don't know. We'll find out when I file. But from all the research I've done on the Internet afterward, the government basically treats game show winnings like a job, as if I just worked for a day and earned $150,000. So I think if my research is correct, and I got to talk to an accountant now, or I guess that'd be the responsible thing to do, is that it'll it'll get taxed like income. So it'll probably take, it will definitely take me into a higher income tax bracket than I was in last year. And I think it just gets taxed like normal income at that point. So I think the bracket I'll go up to, Uncle Sam will take like 38, 39% or something like that. And uh, hopefully build some bridges or pay teachers or fix the water crisis in Flint. I don't know. Hopefully it goes to something good uh, because, yeah, you give away that much of the money that you earned and you're just hoping it ends up uh, in the right pot. So, Uncle Sam, enjoy that. And then uh, am I all in on a WrestleMania suite? Hell yeah, man. Let's do it. WrestleMania, it's here. MetLife Stadium, New York, next year. I'm down. Let's uh, let's get some people. Let's get a, a bunch of our, our faction friends and... And let's do it. Believe that. Next up, Tom, when was it taped? And what did you have to do in order to get on the show? Uh, I'm going to tease another bit of content. If you guys go to my website, MikeJanella.com, I wrote a big blog uh, also this week talking about my preparation, how I got on the show, tips for getting on the show, all that kind of stuff. All I'll say here is that they're always casting and they give the website on the show. So I think it's abcpyramidcasting.com. If you Google ABC Pyramid Casting, you'll go to the site. It'll show up, uh, and you just submit. Uh, I forget what the questions are exactly or how much information you have to give, but you do that, and then it's like anything, any of these shows, right? The people that are making the shows have to like you. You've got to be energetic and charismatic and, and good at what you're doing. So, uh, But go to my website, like I said, read that blog, and there's a lot more in-depth of what I think may be helpful for people 
that want to do this themselves. Uh, when was it taped? Uh, this was back in May? Yeah, May. It was Mother's Day, right before Mother's Day. And I told my mom uh, the story then. So I don't know how long they taped, how early they started, how long they ran. But yeah, a few months time passed between when we taped and when we aired. And uh, having to hold that secret was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life, man, let me tell you. So I'm just happy now that it's all out in the open. Everyone knows how I did and what I did and that now we can talk about it on a place like this. Stephanie wants to know, uh, Steph, who you may have heard on the show a couple times in the past, uh, she's got a lot of questions too. I love this, by the way. I ask you guys, hey, what do you want to know? And you do not miss the opportunity to ask as many questions as you possibly can. So let's go through Steph's Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, six, a sextuplet of, of questions. Are you really going to learn to fly is the first question Steph asks. That's in reference to uh, when I was talking to uh, Michael Strahan on the show and I go to the winner's circle. He's like, hey, if you win the money, what are you going to do, right? And I said, I plan on taking flying lessons. That is something that wasn't just, you know, made up for TV. That is something I've always been interested in doing. I had my first flight when I was 10 months old. I've been to 37 countries now. Uh, 49 of our 50 states. I've traveled a lot. I've flown a lot. I just flew back from Vegas 48 hours ago. I've always been interested in air uh, travel. And my dad being in the Air Force as well for 33 years, something that's always fascinated me, how it works. You know, I'm in the back in the cabin and it's turbulent weather and I'm getting freaked out. And I'm always wondering, what are the pilots feeling? What are they thinking? So I've always been interested in that. It'll probably wait until I have a little bit more of a secure income situation, to be honest. I definitely plan on doing it at some point, but right now uh, I have a hard time justifying any lavish expenses and flying lessons are not cheap. Uh, So I'm going to wait, I think, until I have more consistent jobs coming in and more of a consistent schedule. And then I definitely plan on doing it. But right now, uh, you know, I just can't, I, I, would be mad at myself if I went out and bought a crazy new car or splurged in a giant wardrobe or took flying lessons or anything like that when I do have this uncertainty professionally. So the answer is yeah, but we'll have to wait and see. Her next question, do the actors get paid to appear on the show? I have no idea. I don't think so. I assume not, but I honestly have no clue. That's something you'll have to ask ABC because I have no, no idea. Um, next one from Steph. Does the loser win anything? I think you answered your own question in the way you asked it. Uh, did you go ham in Vegas as a result of winning? Uh, not particularly. Uh, I was just in Vegas this past weekend. My uh, little brother's bachelorette party. <laughs> bachelor party, I should clarify. Um, we went ham just because it was his bachelor party. It was, you know, six of us and we were just there uh, you know, three brothers, a cousin, a lifelong cousin, another one, and then a best friend of my brother's. Whether I was dirt broke or just coming off pyramid, we were going to go crazy regardless. I ended up with a, what was it, $2,700 uh, bar tab on my credit card the first night we were there uh, at Omnia seeing Calvin Harris perform. That would have happened regardless. So uh, I don't think it was a result of our winning. That would have been me, you know, come hell or high water to celebrate my brother getting married. Um, two more questions from Steph. Are you going to try and compete on more game shows? And then did you pick out your clothes or did ABC? To the first one, I would love to. I love game shows. I grew up on Jeopardy. I grew up on Wheel of Fortune. We watched that at dinner literally every single night as a family growing up. 
Price is Right, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Period, Pyramid, uh, definitely, I mean, all the other ones, Let's Make a Deal, Newlywood Game, I mean, I love game shows, so I would love to play more uh, moving forward. Uh, I think there's got to be rules on how long you have to wait between appearances, I'm sure, because otherwise people would be trying to be on different game shows all the time. Um, we'll see. I would I would love to. So if anybody listening knows a hookup at Jeopardy or at Millionaire or any of these other kind of shows, hit me up because I would love to you know make this a thing. I know some people definitely do, and a lot of folks who have reached out to me that have been on Pyramid before, I've seen them. They have participated on other shows. Some people make a career out of this stuff. If you Google like game show career contestants, there are some people that just apply to literally everything all the time and they get to make it to enough of them that it becomes a kind of sustainable career. So that'd be really cool. Uh, my personal goal would be to host one of these things to become a Michael Strahan type or Alex Trebek you know, eventually, but we'll see what's in the cards. As for my clothes, um, no, I-, I picked them out. There are certain things you can't wear on TV. Uh, stripes, checkers, because they mess up with the cameras, uh, name brands and logos, obviously. That's just TV across the board. I've known that from hosting, being on camera myself as a host over the years. So uh, I gave ABC a bunch of options, you know, bright colors that look good, things that I thought I would feel comfortable in, look good. I wanted to slay on national TV, millions of people watching. And then uh, I worked with them. I'm like, hey, what do you guys think of this? What do you think of that? And they said, yeah, that's good. Or, yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, but, yeah, the clothes, those are all me. So I, I bought those, my own money, and wore what I thought would look best uh, with, with ABC helping me out and saying, yeah, that looks good on you, yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, oh, speaking of my clothes, Rachel wants to know. Uh, she said, I have so many questions about the jacket. All right, let's talk about the jacket. Because <laughs> a lot of people were giving me... After the John Lovett's hug, I think the jacket was the second most common thing people brought up to me uh, on social and when they were hitting me up on texts and calls and stuff like that. That is called, it's not a pink jacket, it's not a salmon jacket, and nothing against those colors. I own shirts and jackets in those colors too. I got the jacket from Express, which I love, Express Men. It's uh, As I've become older and a bit more mature, I've graduated from Old Navy uh, to Banana Republic to now Express uh, for some of my more fancier stuff. That is an Arabian sand color. That's what they call it, all right? So just to be totally on the up and up, don't get it twisted, I was wearing Arabian sand. And I love it because it pops, right? Anybody can wear a navy blue blazer. Anybody can wear a black jacket. Anybody can wear you know, those kind of standard boring colors that you see guys wear to Wall Street jobs literally every single day. I have those clothes too. You, know, you, you need a navy blue suit. You need all that stuff. Guys, I was going to be on national TV. Six, seven million people watching. Michael Strahan, you see how good that dude dresses? His amazingly fitting suits, his tie and shirt combos. He brings it. I had to bring it, right? So I'm not going to wear some boring colors. So I went with the Arabian sand jacket. The shirt was pink. That thing was pink as pink gets. And then my only regret is I had a dope pocket square it's like a paisley pattern with pink and the purple in it. And as I was sitting there, it kept falling into my pocket, so you couldn't actually see it. So I regret that I couldn't go the one extra accessory. But yeah, that jacket, 
I mean, one of my favorites. It really stands out. And in case you guys are curious, uh, if you want to buy me any others, I'm a 40 short. I'm actually looking at the jacket right now. So uh, 40 short, slim fit, express men, send me gifts. I figure it out on social media. But yeah, it's one of my favorite jackets. And now maybe it's my lucky jacket. It's, uh, it brought me some luck. And I'll have to wear it now as often as I get the chance. And also one note, I do want to shout out. I know I've got some family listening. You know, mom always listens. Grandma always listens. I forget if I told them this, but one last note on wardrobe. Speaking of, you know, lucky jacket, I'm joking about that. But I did wear, because my shirt was French cuffed, I wore the cufflinks that my grandpa wore on his wedding day to my grandma over 50 years ago. Uh, My grandpa, unfortunately, uh, passed away uh, now coming up on six years uh, but you know, my, my, Abu, um, he, you know, those were the cufflinks he wore on the luckiest day of his life, getting to marry my grandma. She then uh, gave them to me knowing I'm a cuffling guy, uh, once he passed away and, and I'm forever grateful for that gift, uh, means the world to me. And so, uh, it was nice to know that, you know, my grandpa, part of him was there with me that day. And I think, uh, you know, he brought me a little something, something. He was, was one of my biggest supporters and I, I loved him, uh, always being there for me. And so I was happy that, uh, in a way, He got to be there for me on this amazing day as well. Oh, one of my favorite uh, followers from back uh, in the day when I was uh, in San Diego working for the Padres. It's at Padres Geekster. Uh, She hit me up on Twitter. Uh, Great hearing from you, by the way, Geekster. Uh, And you've got a couple questions of your own. So let's get right to them. Question number one. Who was the best hugger? She thinks it was Michael Strahan. That's her guess. Uh, second question, why did you pass on the clue sty? And then question number three, I like this one. Which was harder, hosting an episode of Padres Social Hour, that's the show I hosted back in San Diego, uh, or appearing on $100,000 Pyramid? Best hugger, you're right, Geekster, it was Michael Strahan. So I got to hug John Lovitz, obviously, after we won the 50 grand in the first winner's circle. I got to hug Bobby Moynihan after we won the $100,000 in the second winner's circle. And I got to hug Michael Strahan both times because he was there in the winner's circle uh, both times. The hug with Lovitz, uh, again, I'll have the story on that coming up on my Mike in a Minute video about it later on this week. So uh, check my social media for that or look me up on YouTube as well. I put them all up there. Uh, I'll explain that. But same thing with Bobby Moynihan. When you hug these guys, because don't forget, they're sitting in the winner's circle with their back to the board. So they don't know the clues. They don't know when they're going to guess it right. All they know is that you're there giving them these clues, hoping they guess it. And when they guess it, you, me, I already know that they got it right. So I'm like a half second or a second ahead of them in terms of jumping and screaming and going for a hug. Whereas they're on a little bit of a, of a mental tape delay. They see me jumping. I'm coming in for the hug. They're probably still sitting down like, why is this dude jumping at me? Um, and obviously for them, this may be a drop in the bucket, this kind of a money. But for me, this is a big deal. So I'm going to be ecstatic and elated. Whereas Strahan, he's there off to the side. He can, He knows when the person gets it right. He knows when I'm already celebrating and he sees me going for, you know, Lovitz or Moynihan for a hug. Whereas he can sit back and wait for me and be better prepared. Uh, Plus he's a massive dude. He's like, what, 6'3", 240 or something? Um, You know, an all-timer defensive end. So he's the kind of guy that's ready for a hug from a guy like me, 5'8 and change, 175, no doubt about it. Um, So Strahan, for sure. The other guy is good huggers, don't get me wrong. But Strahan... 
I'm sure he's had lots of hugging experience uh, from his days playing in the NFL, from his celebrating Super Bowls, from GMA, uh, from all his other stuff. So uh, Strahan's my dude. He's, he's you know, a big bear now that uh, was just there for me in my moment of celebration. Definitely the best hugger and uh, as amazing a guy as you would imagine. Charismatic, energetic, fun, funny, great dude, great hugger. Why'd you pass on Stye? So this is one of the clues. Uh, I forget what the category was. It was like illnesses or something like that. And yeah, I was giving clues to John Lovitz and Stye came up and I passed on. I didn't even try to get him to guess it. I didn't even try to get to work through it. I just passed because I knew I was, my first thought was, how do I get him to guess the actual illness Stye in your eye? And looking back now, I would have said, man, your room is so messy. It looks like a pig. Boom, sty, and he would have gotten that. Now, in retrospect, I wish I would have done that. I just passed on it because I knew I wanted to get as many right clues as possible, and I only needed, I think, one more to win that round or two more to win that round. So I knew, let me take my chances with the others. If I have to come back to sty, I can. But I was just playing cost-benefit analysis with the amount of time that I had left in that round. I figured, let me pass this. I had some margin for error in terms of moving on to the next round. I just passed on it to be efficient, save time, go to the next couple clues, and it ended up being fine. I didn't have to go back to Stai because I got enough right afterward to totally skip it. So on the one hand, the strategy worked. Uh, mentally, what I, my game plan was uh, paid off because I didn't need it. On the other hand, if you read that blog that I keep talking about on my website, shameless plug number 36, MikeJanella.com, uh, it, it sat with me. Uh, it was the one clue I wish that I did not pass on because I was hoping for a perfect score to be able to shoot the moon and get them all right. But you know what? No complaints out of this guy. And uh, your last question, Geekster, which was harder, hosting an episode of Padre's Social Hour or appearing on $100,000 Pyramid? Uh, to be honest, Social Hour. Uh, and I know the stakes are different, right? Pyramid, you have all this money on the line. You have the millions of people watching, whereas... Hate to break it to you Padres fans, but there weren't millions of you watching uh, Padres Social Hour at the time. Pyramid, I just showed up and played, right? Like, all I had to do was get dressed, show up, play a game, hang out, hopefully win some money. Uh, the pressure and the stakes a little bit higher, sure. Uh, but Padres Social Hour, man, I did, I did a lot for that show. It was preparing all the segments, doing all the research, all the reading, preparing the talking points, getting my co-hosts ready for whatever we were talking about that day, uh, helping to arrange interviews, uh, doing the interviews with the guests. Uh, you know, I didn't do any of the technical stuff. I didn't, you know, run the board or operate the cameras. Uh, shout out Blooper, Seth Foster. Uh, you know, there were inter- a lot of interviews I did not arrange. A lot of our celebrity guests came through our marketing department or our ticketing department. Um, you know, so I, there's by no means did I do everything on that show. Not even close. Uh, shout out to, again, Seth and Nikki and Maddie and everyone that helped uh, and all the tech guys on that show. But in terms of just, you know, Every single day, seven days a week, having to come up with an hour of fresh content that people were interacting with live uh, and that I was chatting with while the show was going on, that was leaps and bounds harder than just showing up and playing a game that I thought I was pretty skilled at. And so, yeah, the stakes were were higher and that was part of it was maybe a little bit more anxiety filled. But in terms of actually doing work, yeah, social hour was 
a labor of love. And it was, uh, we weren't there for a long time, at least I wasn't, but we were there for a good time. And it all uh, paid off for the work that was put into that show. Uh, one of the, the best things I've ever done in my career was hosting that show. So uh, a labor of love that, that I definitely had a good time, good time doing. Tommy P., one of my oldest friends, uh, he hit me up by text. Oh, speaking of, uh, how was the pressure? You probably, did you feel comfortable? Question mark. He said you probably did. Yeah, so that was true. And I talk about this in that blog too. Luckily for me, I've been able to be in high anxiety pressure situations before. You know, I've hosted uh, TV shows. I've been on camera. I've done live interviews. I've judged Guinness World Records attempts in front of literally tens of thousands of people. So for me, being in front of the spotlights or under the spotlights, being with celebrities, being in front of a live studio audience, knowing that millions of people are going to watch on TV, that didn't really phase me that much. That's stuff that I, I've gotten used to over the years. Um, the, the biggest pressure I put on was myself because I went into that game wanting to win the 150000 wanting to win that trip. I wanted to get every single clue right. In my brain, my ideal was a perfect 21, a perfect 21, winning the 50, winning the extra 100, winning the trip. I wanted that Sandy Koufax perfect game. Uh, unfortunately, didn't happen, but you know what? I'll take what I got. And uh, once once I got to that first winner circle, that 50000 then it, you know the pressure in my mind was off because I'd already at least won something. And from there, I could have been loose, and anything else was, was gravy on top of that. And luckily, there's a lot of gravy uh, on top of those mashed potatoes of the show. So, uh, yeah, I feel comfortable for the most part. The biggest anxiety was just put on myself. But luckily... It all worked out. Uh, Our chief, uh, at our chief news on Twitter, uh, a former pyramid contestant himself uh, played this year, I think, earlier this year. Uh, Our chief, also a media guy, does some hosting and stuff like that. And he reached out to me. And this has been a cool part of the the experience, too, is that it's it's a brotherhood now and a sisterhood. Uh, All these pyramid players, uh, a lot have reached out to me, people that have played either this season, uh, people that I met while we were there, people that have played in past seasons hitting me up on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, like, hey, congratulations, you know, sharing our experiences with each other, all that kind of stuff. So uh, our chief had a bunch of questions uh, from his perspective, which is unique because he's done this game himself. So here we go. Ah, refreshing. Um, how did you study? Go to the blog. Again, shameless plug. Uh, I talk about it there. Basically, I watched a ton of Pyramid episodes from the first two seasons. So Pyramid's been around for almost 50 years, I think 45 years. There were the old Dick Clark versions. There was a uh, Donny Osmond version made famous by uh, Joey Tribbiani. Uh, was it paper, snow, a ghost? <laughs> so I got that joke a lot too. And then there's been the Michael Strahan version, which is now in its third season. Uh, but I watched as many of those episodes as I could, and I would literally like pause the show and play with somebody, a friend, a family member. I'd watch the show, pause it, try and give the clues, hit play, get the next one, pause it, try and get the clues, and just, I did that. And I'm trying to think of all the people that I played with. I do want to shout them out. My brother Brian, uh, slash roommate, slash bachelor, who we were just in Vegas celebrating, uh, his fiance, my sister-in-law, Laura, my other brother, Joe, my baby brother, his uh, fiance, my sister-in-law-to-be, uh, Allie. I played with my cousins, John Richard, uh, his boy, Joe, and uh, my buddy Bobby, we spent WrestleMania weekend. I was practicing for so long, guys. We were in New Orleans, in our hotel room. Of all the things you could do in New Orleans, 
I'm there with Bobby uh, practicing for what I was hoping at the time. I wasn't casting the show yet, but I was hoping would be a $100,000 pyramid appearance. Uh, so thanks to all those people. I think that's everybody uh, covered that I, I got to play and practice with. But um, yeah, it was just uh, a lot of different people, a lot of different viewpoints because I wanted to get different people's perspectives and just a lot of, you know, I was buying episodes, three bucks a pop. I was buying those pyramid episodes on Amazon video, watching them and just going over and over and over again how people uh, did on those shows. Uh, Archie's next question, and he's got a few here. What was the hardest category for you? Uh, all right, full disclosure, I haven't watched the show again since uh, since uh, the premiere, uh, and I was a little bit under an influence, uh, a Tito's uh, vodka-inspired influence at the time. We were in Las Vegas. Um, you're welcome, Tito's, for that free plug that you didn't pay for. Um, so I watched it live, and it was fun, And but it was just all... It was all happening so fast. People were texting me. My cousins and brothers were there, you know, egging me on. So I wasn't really focusing. So I should go back and watch it again. I should have before I recorded this. But what are you going to do? Professionalism. Who knew? Um, the one, I would have, probably the, the Pennsylvania one. Because that was the one where it took me so long to get John Lovitz to guess the Constitution. So all the clues were things that had to do with the state of Pennsylvania. And it took us a long time to get Constitution. That burned up so many seconds. We ended up getting it anyway on a replay review, uh, which was awesome. But that was the only one where I did not get to finish all seven clues. Again, like I said earlier with the whole style thing, I wanted to get to as many clues as possible. And we did not get to Benjamin Franklin. Time ran out. So I would say, like, by default, that was the hardest one because, uh, you know, with style, I passed that voluntarily because I knew I had that margin of error to work with. When it came to the Pennsylvania one, that was the only one where I didn't do as well as I wanted to do. And I think every other round, I did a perfect seven for seven. Holla at your boy. So I would say that one was probably the hardest category for me. And then the winner's circle round, um, probably the the poets one was tough. Because you know a lot of poets, but then you're thinking, are they poets or are they novelists or whatever? Like when I said, when I saw poets on the board, my first thought was honestly Mark Twain, who's not a poet. Um, but luckily I was able to get to Walt Whitman, Emily Dickinson. Now, when you have time, right, Edgar Allan Poe, Carl Sandburg, um, uh, Maya Angelou, I mean, you could think of poets easy, but when those bright lights are on, that clock's ticking, you hear the beep, beep, it does get to you, the pressure. So I'd say uh, in terms of the winner's circle, poets is probably uh, the trickiest one for me. What's my best memory of the show? Winning the money, obviously. <laughs> you know, getting that hug from uh, Moynihan once we got that last one uh, was great. So that was my best memory uh, for sure. What advice do I have for inspiring contestants? Practice. Uh, just sign up and practice. And again, more info on that blog. I know I've said it a million times, but I go into it more there. So uh, check that out for any particular details. I go into it in more depth than I do uh, here on the pod. Ooh, I like this question. Archie, this is why you're a journalist too, man. You hit those hard-hitting questions. If you had the chance to double your money, would you bet your current winnings? Absolutely. 100%. Um, risky, but that's the confidence I have in myself, my game playing, and maybe it's it's overconfidence and you know pride goeth before the fall because I did have the success that I had playing and that I won, but... I just think 
I think, yeah, I would take that chance. And I think uh, I, be- I became a good enough player after all the practice. If it were to happen today or tomorrow, probably not because, you know, pyramid brain is a thing. You have to think about how you mentally can get in that headspace to play the game the right way in the best way possible. But if you gave me a couple weeks, a few weeks, or, or a month to get back in that mind space, I would definitely do it. Or if it was on the show that day, hey, you won the 150000 double or nothing, I would have said, yeah, let's do it. And, and let it ride, baby, because I've got that, uh, that confidence in myself. I, I say that now, right? If it, was a real, if it was a real deal, maybe it would have been a little bit different. But yeah, I, I say I would do it for sure. Get a chance to double that cash, get three hundred grand. Yeah, sign me up. Uh, two more questions from Archith. Any fun behind-the-scenes trivia? Uh, not really. It's such a well-oiled machine like any TV show is. I've been lucky enough to be behind the scenes at a lot of primetime TV shows. And it's just, you know, camera people are in the right spot and doing this and that. And then PAs are running around. Producers are, are barking orders. Control rooms doing their thing. Uh, it's not really like a, a party or anything. Uh, but this is the one thing that stood out in my mind. During breaks, they come, they offer you water because obviously you're talking a lot, like I am now, and you got to stay hydrated, and, and the mouth doesn't want to get dry and parched. And to not mess up your makeup, I guess, and to also not spill, they offer you water bottles, but they like drill holes in the plastic cap of the water bottle and put a straw in through that. And it was the most genius thing I'd ever, I'd ever seen because uh, it, it basically makes spillage impossible, and unless you're a complete buffoon doesn't know how to drink out of a straw. You're not going to get water all over yourself. But it also doesn't mess up uh, the lip gloss you're wearing or any of the mouth makeup or anything like that. So I thought that was a hilarious, b ingenious, and now something that I may do myself whenever I'm trying to, you know, stay hydrated while I'm filming things in the future. I, I learned something while I was there, which was dope. Uh, last question from our chief. And I hope I'm saying your name right, Arch. I know we've been talking on, on DMs and stuff, and you, you just keep referring yourself to Arch. So I should just call you that, I guess. But last question from my man. Uh, what will you do with the money? I kind of alluded to it earlier. I won't be doing anything bananas crazy in the interim because, again, I ain't got a job. So I don't want to blow through it. Uh, I will be doing a, a bunch of stuff I have in mind, though. Uh, definitely investing some of it. And uh, if you guys know any financial planners, send them my way. Um, definitely doing that. Uh, I already own a house, which I'm trying to sell. Uh, if anyone knows somebody in the market to live in Jersey City, let me know that too. Uh, so it's not like I want to buy property right now. Uh, I do plan on traveling a little bit in the short term. I haven't been to my my motherland, Portugal, in three years now. So I may take a trip out there with some family uh, later on in the year for, for a week or 10 days or so. And then, you know, my other brother's getting married next year. So I've got a bachelor party for him. One of my, uh, you know, Bobby, who I mentioned earlier, one of my buddies who helped me practice for this show, he's got a bachelor party coming up. Everyone's getting married except yours truly uh, in the next six months, it seems. So I'm going to have a lot of travels for that. And then uh, maybe small upgrades to the wardrobe, maybe a couple more blazers, see what other cool colors Express has to offer. Um, Yeah, and that's pretty much it. Like I said, I'm not going to go out and try and buy a Mercedes or a Lamborghini or Porsche or anything like that. I'm not going to be uh, renting out two-week villas uh, on Croatian Yacht Week or anything like that anytime soon. I am not going to be that dude going to uh, One Oak in the city and buying bottles for every guy and girl in the place. That's not me. It's just not my style. I've always been very cost-conscious. I've always been very money-saving. And Luckily, I don't have any huge student loans or debts or anything like that to pay off. So, 
We'll see. Those flying lessons are still on the table. What am I going to do with the money? Right now, just have a good time. I'm sure I'm going to get together with friends sometime soon, maybe buy a couple rounds of drinks, uh, thanking everyone for their support. But we'll see. I love traveling. Uh, I've got one more state to go, Hawaii. Uh, maybe that's on the docket. Uh, I've got, I'm a dozen countries away from getting to 50. I'd love to do that. And then, uh, you know what? Sporting events. That'll be cool. That's a good way to travel. Um, maybe I'll go to an Olympics now sometime, or I'll go to a World Series game, or a Super Bowl, or something like that. I've been lucky enough to go to World Cups and Olympics before and things like that, but uh, maybe maybe I'll do stuff like that. But uh, yeah, the main thing, I just got to figure it out, right? I got to figure out how to invest it and make sure that I don't uh, do a podcast a year from now saying, well, I lost all the cash. Here's how I did it. We don't want any stories like that. So check back with me in six months to a year. We'll see how I ended up with that. Last question from uh, another one of my old buddies, BMAC. He just simply wants to know, menstrual cramps? Question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> yes, listen, whatever it takes to win. Uh, if you haven't seen the episode or if you forgot after you saw it live, uh, that referred to one of the clues. I think it was the winning clue, right? That was the one that got uh, John Lovitz and me to the winner's circle. It was the same round where I passed on Sty. And I have to say, you know, I'm having menstrual and I'm a, I don't, look, I've never had menstrual cramps. I don't know where they hurt. I don't know women, you know, I kind of gestured at my stomach area generally. Is that where you have them? I don't know. I probably made a fool of myself, but you know what? The name of the game when you're on pyramid, whatever it takes to get your celebrity partner to guess that word, you got to do it. So whether it's your fill in the blanks, whether it's hand gestures, whether it's getting out of your seat, jumping on the table, whether it's pantomiming menstrual cramps, probably anatomically incorrectly, whatever it takes, you got to do it. And that's what got me to the 50 grand eventually. So you know what? I have no problem looking like an idiot on national television. Uh, Those of you who have watched me do a lot of my shows and stuff before, you know, I don't mind looking like an idiot most of the time. So now I'm just getting money for it on top of that. Sign me up. Wow. All right. I think I hit everything. I'm going to do one last live check uh, here on on my socials to make sure no one sent any last minute questions in. But thank you guys to all of you that sent questions in that hit me up, not only when I asked for questions about uh, this podcast, but also just the texts, the DMs, uh, just the, the mentions, just everything. It was fantastic. So thank all of you so much uh, for being there throughout this whole time. Really absolutely love it. All right, cool. And that's where uh, we end the show. Normally, this is where I ask my guests to plug all their social media handles and and projects they're working on. But uh, now that I'm here alone, I'm going to do that one more time. So at Mike Janella, J-A-N-E-L-A. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I've got my public Facebook page. So hit me up on any of those. I would really appreciate the follows and the support. And also tell your friends, if you liked what you heard today, if you think uh, I'm funny or charming or insightful, even 5% of any of those things, uh, pass it around. The Mike Janela Show, we're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts now, I should say, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. And you can, of course, visit MikeJanela.com for all previous episodes of the show. Thanks to Grapes for providing the theme music for the show. I don't know. That's what it's called. It's a great track. And most of all, thank you guys for listening. 
Thank you, John Lovitz and Bobby Moynihan, for helping me win $150,000. Thank you, Michael Strahan, for being an amazing, charming, and uh, very disarming host in the best way possible. Thank you, ABC, for giving me the opportunity. And thanks to all of you who have been there for the ride. This is just the beginning, I hope, and then I hope you stick around with me for what's left to come. Appreciate you guys listening. I'll do even better next time. See ya!